Hello and welcome to the Cinema Syndicate podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. We are the Cinema Syndicate at Cinema Syndicate on Twitter at Cinema Syndicate podcast on Instagram. This is the best and most exciting and most fun movie review show on the internet, spreading its hot takes from the East Coast to the West Coast. Actually, I'm going to go West Coast to East Coast. We got Mr. Preston Bards in Oakland, California. How are you doing, Preston? Right on, fellas. Doing well. We got Joe in New Orleans. What's up, Joe? Hey, bonsoir, mes amis. And Mr. Budge Husky in Washington, D.C. How you doing, Budge? Doing well, staying frosty. Wish I had a po' boy in New Orleans with the boot crew, boys. <laughs> All right, and I'm Matthew Scott, and we're going to kick this off with Outside the Wire tonight, the new Netflix movie starring Anthony Mackie. Uh, but before we get into the movie, we always like to encourage our loyal listeners, if you haven't gone on iTunes and rated our show five stars, please write a nice review. Give us five stars. It really, really helps boost our profile on the biggest podcast, well, you want to say directory in the world. So please, please do that. It helps us so much. Uh, but before we get into Outside the Wire, we are going to do our marquee picks. And since Outside the Wire features some artificial intelligence, we're going to do our marquee picks this week on our favorite AI in movie history. Uh, there has been some discrepancies in the uh, Cinema Syndicate uh, pod, I mean, uh, Cinema Syndicate text group about the definition of AI. So we'll see what happens. Budge Husky is the expert. So we're going to kick it off with Budge with his top three AI, and he's probably going to dispute all of ours. So go for it, Budge. <laughs> Expert's a bit of a stretch, but probably uh, inundated with a lot with a lot of these. Uh, I would say to the loyal listeners out there in Podland that uh, my co-host here seemed to have a very loose definition of the term artificial intelligence. I think they'd probably put a toaster on here if given the opportunity <laughs> to brave little toaster. Uh, Are we ensure that you're not like a cyborg? <laughs> the gloves not. Are budge. <laughs> but well, Budge's be- profession is all about semantics and definitions, <laughs> so he does have that sort of, and he is litigious as hell, so he was just definitely, this was right up his alley as sort of defining artificial intelligence. So given- smart Budge over there, yeah. <laughs> you should love all of our picks. <laughs> so I, I I'll just start out by saying to listeners that I believe that when we discuss artificial intelligence, because again, it really could be a calculator, but I think the way this is envisioned and the way the movie is thought that most people say that you know artificial intelligence the barrier here the standard is some sort of sentience right whether or not they have some sort of understanding that are self or they're self-aware so in that regard mine there's a lot to there's a lot to handle here and a lot to go through but mine will kind of be a bit of a list and recommendations of kind of some of the top ai so my my first one my number three will be quite obscure uh and my number three is the android from the show dark matter uh dark matter went about three seasons you can find it on netflix it is one of the better sci-fi shows I've probably ever seen. Um, the premise is kind of interesting. It takes place all of a sudden. People wake up. They've been uh, not cryogenically frozen, but they've been put to sleep in stasis for a significant period of time. They don't know how long. They don't remember who they are. They just wake up one after the other on the ship. They don't remember who anyone else is on the spaceship. And then there's an artificial intelligence that runs the, uh, runs the whole ship, kind of has like a hologram presence. Uh, they call her the android. Uh, she is kind of petulant and childish. She's played by Zoe Palmer, and she's just an excellent character. Uh, I can't recommend the show uh, any more highly. I'm sure no one else has seen it on this podcast, but we'll leave it at that. Wait, uh, so is this a new show? I've never even heard no, of it. No, it's it's not really new. In fact, it got canceled a while ago, but it's got one of those big fans have tried to bring it back, and it and it just I don't I don't think it had the following. But it's it three, sounds like a three few seasons years. on Netflix. 
a few years ago, right? So it's a Netflix original. I don't think it's a Netflix original. I think it got acquired by Netflix. I think it probably started on sci-fi because it's got a bunch of guys you'll recognize from Canadian stuff. And so in Canada films, a lot of these kind of like well, like Letter Kenny. Just, yeah. just as something, just like a my only pet peeve about sci-fi TV shows is that sci-fi sort of requires a big budget. I feel like, and whenever you watch sci-fi TV, it always looks cheap, especially in the sci-fi channel. And so that's why I always even never give it a chance. But, but so this this one does it feel like well produced? But uh, well, the way it's done, I, I like because you're cor- you're Matthew. You're very correct in in that. But um, I think it does a really good job, kind of like Alien with Alien, like keeping the stuff on the ship, kind of having a you know it keeps everything tight and close. It doesn't feel too expansive because I think that's the problem when sci-fi tries to get super expansive and do a lot of CGI because it can be it gets expensive, right? That's yeah the yeah. idea of the expanse getting acquired by Jeff Bezos. You know, it was a it was a it was a show that was too expensive to make for sci-fi, and so then it was his favorite show. So Amazon acquired it, and he put two hundred fifty million into it. Damn! What the fuck? God. Just imagine like writing. <laughs> I the, swear. You know, like imagine writing you just like this show. show. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, that's just it. And you're such... like, no, 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 I'll pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll maybe he'll listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. And be like, here's like here's a billion. Yeah, yeah. We just have to like threaten to quit, and Jeff Bezos is like, no, 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 no. We love the cinema syndicate. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> I listen to it all the time. I could start. Uh, I could find his house and start like recording out in the driveway or something. That um, sounds a little bit creepy, but go ahead, Budge, with your number two. <laughs> my number two is is probably a little more popular. I think everybody will, uh, or at least Matthew will definitely know who it is. But it's it's Jarvis from uh, oh, yeah. the Avengers and Iron Man movies. Uh, oh, those nice. don't know, Jarvis stands for Just a Rather Very Intelligent System, created by Tony Stark, played by Paul Bettany. I believe is the voice. Um, oh, Paul Bettany. And, he, you know, kind of he kind of oversees all of Tony's sort of security and then kind of runs the Iron Man suit at some point uh, for a little while. Uh, I'm not going to include Vision in this, Matthew. Feel free to. I'll leave I that open. I have a feeling it may be in there somewhere. I've got something else. Go for it. No, bud. Sorry. Um, but that that's kind of it I've got on, on Vision. I just, or on Jarvis. I just think he's kind of funny and British um, and, and kind of like witty. Gives it right back to Tony Stark, you know, his wise ass comment. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of funny that like he programmed his like AI to be a British butler sort of thing, which is kind of funny in itself. I don't know why, but it is. But the, go, um, the virtual Alfred. <laughs> virtual Alfred. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Alfred is like encouraging. He always yeah. has to like pick up Batman's spirits. Jarvis is almost like has that You're... British sarcasm. That's yeah, like, he's you know, a bit, you know, bit snippy. Yeah, a bit little snidey. Throws it like like Budge said. Throws it right back at Tony. But go ahead, Budge. Your number one. Oh, hey, Joe, uh, what was Joe saying about Paul Bettany? Uh, Oh no! I was just gonna say that he, in real life, he is married to, um, yeah, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, um, really? Knockdown drag out. Yes. What a I lucky, to that lucky yeah. bastard. Hadn't seen her in a minute though. No, you have not. She, she, Man, okay, she was guys, in a lot was, of great movies back in the nineties, and then has kind of. You're right, Pokey, and she's actually slated to be, which is this is one of the one of the biggest, in, in my opinions, uh, casualties of the coronavirus is the second movie of top gun yeah uh, she she is the female lead in top gun she was, okay was she i original? remember hearing that. no no she no. was not no uh not not to be like s- sexist or anything but if you've seen the 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 woman here from he the goes. original now versus like what she like it's it's a complete night and day difference so they 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 did have to cast somebody else that's all i'm gonna say because the woman in the original is so hot in the first movie well is now, tom cruise gonna be in it yeah, he's he's absolutely. Exact same. Absolutely. Somehow. Yeah. And he's really flying too. 
He's probably he's, in better. He's not, he's not actually flying the F-16. He's in the back seat and they're filming him like it makes it look like he's flying. But he's actually, yeah, if you want to say like he's actually in like an actual airplane, if that's, that's what, what you I meant. Yeah, he's uh, okay, actually okay. up there. They're actually, you know, filming all this stuff, you know, 35,000 feet above the ground. You know, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. gosh. Speaking of that, when uh, Keanu Reeves was filming the Matrix, the, the newest one that's coming out at some point uh, in the Bay, and there was like, one day they were doing on top, I think it was on top of Salesforce or one of the other bigger buildings. They were doing a scene where they basically were like going across from building to building on like different little uh zip lines and other things, like like hanging in the air and fighting. And, and people were just kind of like watching it and like putting it on Twitter and shit. Jeez. That sounds incredibly fun if it wasn't incredibly dangerous. Uh that <laughs> would be scary will, to fall. Say what you will about uh Tom Cruise and I guess John, and then um Keanu Reeves, but they are no, you know, they take their craft pretty seriously. Like the the videos of Keanu Reeves doing gun training, like oh yeah, you know, oh, he, yeah. Looks like a, Wick, he looks like he... a soldier, yeah. And then well, Tom one... Cruise obviously goes the extra mile. Tom one is Cruise, way well, more well, likable than the other. Well, when, that when is Joe, true. That is when, true. When Joe said that he was flying planes, I was kind of like clarifying because he does actually like do the motorcycle mm-hmm. stunts. A lot of them, he does yeah. like like he can drive an F one car, which is insanely crazy. If you've actually like been behind an F one car, I've never been behind, but like if you've ever watched like tutorials and videos of how complex those are, they're very almost similar to flying a plane. So like it almost was like, oh, was he actually flying a plane? But I didn't think so. But Joe, let's uh let's transition just to your top three AI picks. Well, well hold on, I still have number one. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you said Jennifer. Is it, is it going to be Tom Cruise? Because <laughs> come to think of it, Tom Cruise might be AI. <laughs> this is these interesting point. My number one, though, is, is probably the most classic, uh, at least for some of the listeners. And, and for me, it's Data from Star Trek and Next Generation. Uh, yeah, I, I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, obviously, I mean, obviously, everybody, most people kind of know who he is. He's pretty advanced artificial intelligence android. But I think what kind of distinguishes him from the rest of this pack and, and makes him number one is despite being the most intelligent person on the spaceship and you know, the strongest and the fastest, his entire existence is based on trying to become more human and learning about the human condition and what he can do to actually feel and empathize. And I think that it, it kind of does a really big subversion of the genre and kind of, you know, by making someone almost like the Pinocchio thing, but um, mm-hmm. trying to understand Pinocchio. Um, but anyway, that, that'd be my number one. Great makeup. But I mean, Brent did you Spider. grow up like watching Star Trek and like, when did you like actually get into it? I, yeah, I, I could, I can tell you exactly when I got into it. Oh God, um, the exact day. Like you have a birthday for Star Trek. No, not really. It was like it was we went down to for the turn of the uh millennium, two thousand. We were in Miami and it rained the entire time. And I wasn't like old enough to like do anything. I couldn't go to the beach, couldn't go to like bars or anything. I guess I, we were what, twelve? I might have been eleven. And there was just like this marathon on. It's so all I could do was like sit in the room and watch TV. <laughs> got into it. Good All, picks. Right. Good picks. <laughs> All right, Joe, we're going to transition to your picks. We might edit some of that last bit out, but go ahead, Joe. Oh, boy. Damn, Bud brought the heat right there. Um, so I'm going to keep it a little bit lighter uh, with my picks. Um, and I'm going to go with the Fembots from Austin Powers, the 1997 <laughs> classic. Um, and then if you remember, boys, in the second one, uh, Elizabeth Hurley and Britney Spears are both fembots. Two of the most beautiful women of that era, in my opinion. Oh, that's right. I forgot about sure. that. I mean, I, I kind of remember that. I don't remember Britney Spears being a fembot. I remember Elizabeth I remember Hurley Elizabeth being Hurley, one. yeah. No, they both are I because they... I forgot about Britney Spears. It was, 
she was it was a it was a trap from Austin. I can't remember the exact scenario, but um, pre Brittany. I looked it up. You catch Budge in that trap every time. Uh, you can catch you can catch Matthew and Elizabeth Hurley's trap even right now. <laughs> uh, but go ahead, Joe. Number two. Number two. This was another, you know, late late nineties, early two thousands. I think it's late nineties classic. But the Matrix agent, Agent <sighs> Smith. Agent Smith, of course. Hugo That's a good one. Weaving played that character so well. Just the the gray everyman who would who you're part of the machine, another brick in the wall, who just comes to break your spirit and, is, and just would not stop. Is right, he, yeah, yeah, I, like, I mean, he never stops. He was like a dog on a bone. He wasn't getting off of it. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, speaking of, I it's, mean, like, it's, oh. a common, it's a common trope though. What uh, Budge was talking about with Data in terms of like wanting to feel and want to be human, and that, that that whole scene where he's got Morpheus hooked up to everything, trying to like break his brain or whatever. Then he takes off the earphones and he just like says, "What isn't that what he kind of like does?" Or am I making that up? Like he kind of is like. I want to be like he like he wants to experience being what's real, what's being human. Like he's sort of stuck being like a code in the matrix. Is that am I am I making well, that up? I haven't seen the it, movie. In a long it's time. interesting. I haven't seen it in a minute either. But it's interesting you say that, Joseph. Because what about the technology that like was running the matrix? Like that was really like the high def AI, right? Exactly. The one that became sentient because was because it? it was able to replicate mm-hmm. itself and and medicate itself you know or you know it was able you know to take over entire uh human ecosystems yeah. i mean it was unbelievable certainly i mean none of us are tech geniuses i would love to actually hear somebody that actually knew what like the coding of something could actually be i don't want to say plausible but i mean the video game systems we have right now that sort of like are able to i don't want to say what do you want to say almost can evolve as you go if that makes sense i know there's like certain limits to how much you can sort of advance the world of video games or whatever but they are sort of crazy and sort of the more immersive and more immersive they become it almost does get a little bit scary it's auto update on steroids man yeah yeah exactly all right joe go for your number one okay so number one is going to be more of a nostalgic pick right and it's good as i have to explain a lot on this podcast we like to take our picks a little (laughs) liberally And Professor Budge is there for our serious, you know, he's got his footnotes. You know, you're <laughs> going to learn a thing or two when Budge gives you his marquee picks, right? And so I like to take this opportunity sometime to, you know, go down memory lane and to pick some things that remind me of the good times in, in, in times like this, you know, in the pandemic. And my number one pick for AI is going to be Cortana from Halo. From the back in the days when we would play that multiplayer uh, it, the trash talking on Xbox 360 during during college was legendary. I think Ragnarok was one of the best multiplayer designed. College, man. Time. High school. High school. That was it. Yeah, high school. But you and I, I speaking of. Oh, yeah. sorry. Go for show. No, go ahead, Matthew. Oh, no. Well, speaking of uh, this could be another rainy beach experience that Budge was talking about when he got into Star Wars. But one time, Budge and I were at his beach place, and all we did was play Halo until the point where his dad, like, literally came in, ripped out the Xbox, and said, you're coming down to the beach with me. And he threw us, like, pass patterns. You remember that? Like, he was like, we're playing football. And Budge's dad was like, all right, that's enough. You've had Run a post, Budge. <laughs> yeah, Run yeah a post. it was. 
he made us like play football with them. It was actually really, really fun. But like the whole time, it was like <laughs> Matt, a rainy. It was, for me. it was like a, ba- a rainy beach, beach weekend, and like Budge and I just like sat in his like his uh, his house, like playing about Halo the whole time until his dad just got so furious that he just was so tired of us. Uh, yeah, but sorry, yeah, don't. Well, like what Joe was saying, right down nostalgia lane. Halo has tons of memories for everyone. Is uh, is this the first video game appearance on uh, Cinema Syndicate Marquee Pick? The gamer, yeah, maybe. I think it is. That's well, I don't I mean, know. Good to know. We'll have the intern go through the archive here. Yeah, I don't know. The intern would uh, like doesn't have too much time to go through the archive, but yeah, actually he does. <laughs> He's got plenty of time right now. But I'm not going to bring it back up. <laughs> I'm not going to make him do that. He's got more important things to do right now. Uh, text him now. Yeah. yeah, Preston, why don't we move on to yours before we reveal who the intern actually is? Go for it. Yeah, that's on the <laughs> wheel at the end. So stay tuned. Um, all right, let's. We're going to kind of move somewhat fast. We'll see. Uh, but I'm. For number three, I'm going to go with, this is a nostalgia pick as well, uh, from the 1986 film Short Circuit. I'm going with Johnny Five, <laughs> who I'm sure, as listeners know, I have, a, um, I have a love and fondness for E.T., and Johnny Five, to me, was like the robot E.T. I mean, he had basically that, that in, kind of inquisitive, like, Gentile, childlike. Uh, Childlike, very curious. Did uh, you just say Gentile? Love <laughs> books, love television. Yeah, that was the thing. When I watched that movie the first time, I was in awe of how fast he could read books, right? He could just like flip through it and then he knew everything. And that was just amazing to me as like a five or six year old kid. Because Until being... Neo was able to just plug him up in his head and learn did how to really fly a helicopter. Did that really just say Gentile? I meant gentle. <laughs> He took the red pill. Yeah, well, Preston's I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not. That's what I mean. We'll have to check uh, check the wiki on check the tape. Johnny Five there. You definitely said Gentile, but I mean, like, yeah, it doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he was circumcised. Or he was uncircumcised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, he was fragile, Gentile, <laughs> agile, mobile, fragile, Gentile, hostile, hostile. <laughs> Fragile. He yeah, was fragile. Right. You could say that. Uh, but anyway, for for people who've never seen the the movie or the sequel, it's a real, it's a real uh, great story. It's heartwarming. Uh, if, if you want to get introduced to it, watch Johnny Five. Uh, I need a hero clip on YouTube. And you'll get a sense <laughs> of just how epic he was. Um. Anyway, number two. Number two. This might uh, this might wrestle budge. But I'm going with a, a classic alter ego of one of my favorite uh, cartoon characters of all time. I'm going with the Osimo 4000. For anyone who does not know. Is it not the 3000, Preston? It's the 4000. Oh, okay. Well, I've got 3000 right now. Go ahead. I believe it's the three, the four thousand. So you've got you've got Osimo. I've right got Osimo, but Joe, is it is, is it not Osimo 3000? Without looking it up, because I feel like Joe's a South Park expert. I thought it was the four thousand. Uh, you know my my vote's gonna go three thousand. Well, now we have to look it up. Somebody look it up. Well, yeah, just go on, Andre, I, I, I'm on it. Go for it, Preston. You just, go you for talk. it, Preston. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, he's hardly a functioning robot, uh, but it's just one of Cartman's best little alter ego characters uh, <laughs> on South Park in his quest to get secrets from Butters Scotch, the uh, the South Park simpleton. We're coming full circle with Britney Spears here because that's like part of the whole plot. It's like because 
well, so, dances right. with, yeah, makes out with Butter. the Spears dolls or whatever. But he's just there to get secrets from Butters, but then he realized Butters it's has 4, a tape. 000. It's 4,000? 4,000. Okay, I'm going to take the L on that. Go for it, Preston. Sorry. Let's just call it a day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he, he realizes in his little plan that uh, Butters actually has this secret tape of Cartman dancing around dressed up as Britney Spears, kissing a Justin Timberlake <laughs> cutout. I forgot and, about that was what the blackmail was. Right. And so once... Once Cartman, excuse me, awesome of 4,000 realizes this, then he has to go deeper into the character, which requires him not to eat. And he gets really <laughs> hungry. And he also has to like shit and do other things. There are times where I think he says something like, uh, awesome must uh, release oil waste. <laughs> and then there's even a time where he like farts and uh, butters, is, <laughs> butters smells it. And it's like, I didn't know robots had smelly farts or something <laughs> like that. And he's just like, awesome, initiate fart sequence. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, Preston. Yeah. But it, is Budge one of those South Park haters? I think he is. I don't can, know. Can, can we confirm or deny this? No, no, need, no, no. We need some information. I, I, I'm now. not a South Park hater, but my knowledge of the catalog fails vastly in comparison to the three of you. There are a couple of those things like like Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm that are just like holes in the comedy realm that I'm like, Budge is the, the, he's that, not au That debate is different than this or one. Seinfeld? The, no, I, I have seen them. I just oh, you were watching Curb love. and Seinfeld. I was reading Redwall. Uh, <laughs> I don't love them like other people do. I don't really see like why people think they're just so cutting edge. I kind of find that I don't like that sort of like. It seems like a good time humor. to uh, bring Gentile back up. But I love yeah. South Park. I mean, I, I just don't. South Park's one of those things that was hard to keep up with. It's also very topical. So, like, if you miss, if you try to go back and watch a couple seasons, you're gonna, you're gonna, might, something may go above your head, or not above your head. You're gonna be like, that was probably really topical when it came out, but that's like yeah. two years old now. It is. Extreme. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the first like, but eight that's or part nine of the, but that's part of the or, amazing, or, part are way of, more yeah. rewatchable. Yeah, than the later ones. The later ones are like almost responsive to current events. The first like nine or so seasons are actually just classic comedy. Like this one is just a setup comedy where he tries to prank Butters and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. I mean, that's yeah. just sitcom. And then like, remember he like almost like he goes and like has to like pitch movies as Adam Sandler movies, and then like right. he gets he goes, Osimo, are you a uh, pleasure model like the whole yeah. thing just spindles out of control yeah where, like he tries to just prank butters and it turns into where he almost gives oral sex to a movie executive i he mean it's just absolutely outrageous. yeah it gets to the point where he's he's in a room with hollywood's uh <laughs> studio types and they're like awesome pitch movies and yeah. every movie yeah every movie he's like um so this next one so adam sandler is like he's like this like uh he's like a dog <laughs> you know just like keeps doing all these Ridiculous Adam Sandler plots. Um, all right, let's go to number one, Preston. All right, uh, number one was pretty easy for me. Um, kind of, I mean, not really a nostalgic pick. I mean, just just grow up, growing up watching this movie. Um, but I'm going with the ever terrifying T1000 from Terminator 2: Judgment Day um, for a multitude of, of reasons. But I just feel like like T1000 is a kind of a true original in the cyborg machine robot universe. Um, I, I was terrified of him then. And I still am today as far as just like, he seemed, and I, I mean, I think he pretty much was completely indestructible. Uh, he was so fast. His face never changed. Like he had like that, that 
that just like scary like focused face that was just perfect i forget the guy's name the actor but it was really great great casting um and he was also just like the sleeker sleeker better model of of the of t800 which was terminator so it seemed like there was no way he could be destroyed and i just remember as a kid be when we were like introduced to t1000 being like that motherfucker scares the shit out of me i didn't use that language but to this day i still think it's a highly impressive bit of ai fudge do you think the the t1000 was inspired by some like comic book marvel sort of x-men the way to sort of like morph morph into different what do you want to say like shapes and also like he constantly can, repair itself and things like that do you he, think James he can morph into his, he can morph into his victims too yeah, yeah. I, I don't think i think the i don't think it was it was a like a ripoff of oh, anything no, no. i just think it was certainly matthew inspired by all of that right because it, it kind of it does it has its own twist but what i will say here about joe and, and preston's pick is i I will let them both slide, <laughs> but oh, I you. do God. I do believe that they're particularly T one thousand and Agent Smith fall into like a subcategory of robot plus. I don't think they really hit the level of AI that was envisioned by this choice. Like <laughs> AI would be in the in the case of the Terminator universe, Skynet. In the case of the Matrix, so, it would be the technology that took over and created the Matrix. It wouldn't be technology within the Matrix. So you feel like well, Agent Smith though is he like he sort of uh, yeah he kind of he's Mitchell's a little bit Andy, different, yeah. but he is self aware if that that was sort of like sentience no, was. What I, I said I'd let it slide. Okay, I said I would let it slide. So do you think skinning your teeth? Do you think T one thousand needs a little bit more sentience, a little bit more? Uh, yes, co- I do. Coffee shop talk because he's he's, he's programmed <laughs> to do one thing. That's all he's going to do. Well, he's good at it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But then we could save this category for robots, and he'd be in there. He'd be one of the more badass robots. And also movie villains. I believe he was on your list then, too. He wasn't, but... Uh, that was Noam's number one pick Noam, from the okay. Cabin in the Woods uh, episode. So we're going to move on to my picks. Uh, oh, okay. Some of these have already been taken, so there's not really much to talk about. I've got number three. I've got Agent Smith from The Matrix, so already discussed. Number two, sort of something that Budge already had, but I, kind of the opposite, sort of uh, Jarvis's enemy almost is evil twin but i've got ultron mm, from I, age of ultron. That, I knew somebody would nice nice i actually i really like the age of ultron movie uh and i actually yeah. love james spader's sort of like menacing voice in there whose voice is better paul bettamy or james spader whose voice is better do you mean like, like who do i want to like read me a bedtime story yeah how about who would you want to be like your siri or like your ai I feel uh, I, I would like to alternate between the two, like depending on my mood. Like if I was in a really good mood, I'd love to have Paul Bettany. But if I was just sort of like feeling a little like aggressive, just give me James Spader. Like if I'm ready to like get like Spader has on. Spader's got a great voice. I, mean, I know. Like, so does Paul Bettany. Yeah, I don't know. I just any character it seems like Spader does, especially recently. It just it's his. Well, voice they're totally different tones. Like Bet, like I said, Bettany's like more cheerful with that like mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke almost cheerful British accent, whereas. James Spader, like, it's almost like he's, like, talking in a well with, like, a bunch of people doing drugs. Like, it's like, come on. But that's a terrible, terrible impression. But you get the you get the idea. Matthew, do you remember when uh, Paul Bettany was the hype man in uh, A Knight's, a Knight's Tale? Tale? Yeah, he was. Was he Chaucer? I think he was Jeffrey I think Chaucer. he was Jeffrey Chaucer. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so the very end, it's, like, revealed. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was also the albino assassin in da vinci code which is so weird his name is Holy silas shit. Mm, yeah, man, yeah. He is. which is kind of crazy that was paul Bettany. yeah and like you like you would not believe but i've been you know it's been on netflix a lot and i've read all those dan brown movies i mean dan brown books so i always sort of rewatch them sometimes um all right and number yeah. one 
Preston picked this, and we had a little quick correction. I wrote down Austin Moe 3,000, but it is 4,000. Thanks, Preston. Uh, kind of already discussed, but again, I love that. <laughs> That's probably, if I had to rank it, probably it would be in my top five favorite South Park episodes of all yeah, time. Yeah, same, for sure. That's all so right, good. so before we move on to Outside the Wire, which is uh, our featured movie of this episode, anybody got any last minute selections that they were going to plug in but didn't really have couldn't fit them into their top three before we get in uh i mean this was a bit of a struggle i kind of thought like the siri from her would have been a good choice i also oh, yeah. thought that uh i was gonna say ultron would have been good or vision um but i mean there's there's just a lot like uh oh wow uh, how 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 yeah, 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 yeah. would have been a good one no no, I can actually, you know what? I considered TARS, but when Budge was in that group text, I was like, oh, I should take that off because that's not technically AI. But I love the comment that one of our mutual, like, admire, not admirers, they don't admire us, but people that we like on Twitter, Budge and I do. But uh, Spencer Hall was like, you got to respect Matthew McConaughey because he just reprograms TARS to be that guy that goes and gets some beers from the fridge while he's watching, like, <laughs> watching the world blow up in space. <laughs> hey, TARS. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Outside the Wire, this brand new movie that hit Netflix January 15th, starring Anthony Mackie from, you know, we already kind of talked about the Avengers movies, but he is, what's his name? in the in, Falcon and the Avengers Falcon. movies. So he's a director, not director, he's a executive producer and like the big star of this. I think he's got a Netflix deal, so he's sort of in control of this movie. Uh, sort of a sci-fi, what thriller, if you want to call it that, but it got sort of negative reviews on netflix so i kind of want to start with our first question is read a review and i want to see what you guys sort of it's been a while since we watched this so one of the reviews says it was a serviceable sci-fi diversion outside the wire packs enough action to keep viewers watching even if they aren't likely to remember much later so <laughs> was this movie memorable is maybe a question we should ask first like did it anything in this movie capture you anything that you were sort of like oh man i, I can't believe they did this was there anything that was sort of like unique in the genre that made you like think I should rewatch this or was it just something that we watched and you'll probably never press play on it again? Go go. I think Bud I, should start this one. Yeah, I'll just say, I, I, I mean, this movie was not that bad. Like I, I think it got the reviews were worse than it, than it actually was. Um, I, I do, I do think like the action was particularly like really well choreographed. I, I was really impressed by a lot of that. Um, I think it's a classic Netflix film in that you can see that most of the money is on the top and then that there are like some significant gaps in particular with like actors and even some of like the CGI and um, maybe some of the decorations. But man, the Gumps, first of all, I LOL'd when, <laughs> when they were called the Gumps. Uh, the Gumps yeah. <laughs> but, but those were awesome. Like that, 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 that whole scene, like those things were badass. Um, I guess, you know, back, you know, kind of getting back to the question like was it memorable you know joe joe mentioned something like this earlier and i'm sure we'll get into it more but like I, the whole time i was kind of watching i was thinking to myself this feels like a video game plot you know like okay yes you know. yes i i i can i can see this as like young children at your father's house playing this video <laughs> and, and you just outside you know, the wire you're just banging a the whole time to uh, skip the dialogue just to get to the combat part you're like All yeah right, whatever, whatever it's like your father' name is whatever, and you're yeah, like, and yeah. you know, you just get to the level, you know. Yeah, the dialogue is not not uh, worth writing home about in this movie for sure. 
Well, sort of like even in the graphics in terms of like Anthony Mackie as the as the AI, did you think that was impressive or not? Did you think it was like a cool new take on like his like body that it was like almost sort of like see through and like kind of resembled you? Like, did you think that was interesting at all? I, like, I was think there that's any... I think that was to my point. Like that part looked really good. That was yeah. cool. That you was know, cool. and like and the CGI was really well done. So I'm just saying that's what I mean. Where like you could see where the money was spent and you could see where it was saved. Where would you think it was saved, Budge? I think like the whole time I was watching, uh, like when they were in the barracks talking, it like just looked like it looked like, you know, they had just like put up some file cabinets in somebody's basement. Well, I'll right? tell you this: like, what I what I think it was safe. So I, I thought it was like an interesting thing about like this movie, and I was going to p- compare it to other sci-fi movies. It's sort of like when we think about like Blade Runner or like Star Wars, like. Mm-hmm. They like really, really look into the future. So this movie was set in 2036, which obviously obviously isn't so far in the future, but it's in they think what could be conceived in 2036 is obviously a sentient robot like an Anthony Mackie that has sort of like transparent sort of body type or whatever. And also like robots, the gumps, like you just mentioned. But in the very first scene, when they sort of like after like the drone war or whatever. Anthony Mackie gets harp and he goes, all right, come with me, get in the truck. The truck's over there. And it's literally just like a 2010 Toyota Land Cruiser. No, dude, it, it was a Mercury, like RAV4. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I was like, what the fuck? It was a it? Honda Element. Yeah, no, they literally just went from revealing this like super cyborg military experimental dude, Anthony Mackie. And he's like, yeah, let's hop in my like 26 year old. <laughs> sedan over it was, <laughs> you gotta remember there's eastern europe you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I do got, think, i've like, got an I, old miata we can go hang out because like i have that in my notes too matthew was like what the fuck is he driving this old mercury and i think that I, I did like in hindsight i think they were trying to keep a low profile but well, well, well i'm time, not even talking about the old mercury yeah. i'm talking about like when like literally on the military base where like he was doing like drone operations remember it's like the first thing like this is anthony mackie's like remember like they literally like the Marines go, hey, drone boy, and they shove him up against. Oh, like, yeah. So you're not talking the, about when he like when they go out into the oh go no, outside no, the wire. I'm not. I'm not talking about the. Yeah, I'm okay. not talking about the last scene. I'm talking about like when they first sort of like get into the operation or whatever, and they hop in this like Toyota Land Cruiser. Or whatever, Bro, no, like, it was like a Mercury. I know exactly when they leave yeah, outside like the wire. Uh, okay, yeah. whatever. I, uh, maybe we're talking <laughs> about but the point two. is it was Here. a dumpy. Yeah. Let's get Look, the intern to get a car check on that. The yeah. point is, it's 2036, <laughs> yeah. and we're still using, like, they clearly didn't think, oh, what could, they envisioned all this other stuff, and they couldn't think of, like, they didn't have the money probably to, like, create cars, like, brand new, like, sort of yeah. sci-fi looking cars, whatever. That's all I was getting And at. to your point, the drones look like they do right now. Like, all those drone planes were the exact same ones that the U.S. military flies around right now. Yeah, so like they, they only envisioned into the future like one or two things. They didn't create an immersive world. Is maybe what I'm getting at, right? So like they didn't take the time to sort of create a brand new world like Star Wars or like Blade Runner or something like that. They sort of just created one brand new technology and said, "Oh, let's just set it 16 years into the future," and everything else was kind of the same. Uh, But (laughs) yeah, so like, did you think like did you have you guys have any other sort of like criticisms in terms of like the world they created or was anything else just besides cars like maybe like the weapons or maybe like did you think anthony mackie's like ai was in any way shape or form almost like too futuristic for the time do you think we could like have something like that in 2036 or do you think they're already developing things like that that we don't know about oh gosh it certainly that doesn't seem that far away so it seems pretty futuristic (laughs) at this moment but uh 
Which, but I do think that was one of the cooler parts was kind of his like his makeup, essentially his biotech makeup. And I thought that the little uh, magic band aid thing was really cool too. How like it, when he had the wound, like wasn't like some kind of like patch or something that they put yeah, on it. Like a, exactly. So that's probably where all the money went was into that. Well, it, it's, it's basically well it just felt like they had <laughs> one cool idea yeah. and then and then they sort of rushed it without actually sort of expanding and developing the idea in the world that it should be involved in i right? am not yeah no i agree and i am i think anthony mackie's great and he's also obviously been in some great movies i like i don't know why just i felt like maybe the film could have benefited from one one big like another big actor actress I, w- I don't think I'm going to consider Euron Greyjoy. Uh, like a yeah. <laughs> and he only has like a brief, like little moment. And then he gets his ass kicked. Which him. I, which I did also have a problem with. I don't know if we're going to talk about now, but Victor Koval as like the villain, so to speak, or one of them. Yeah. We could talk about Anthony Mackie also being a villain, but, uh, or Captain Leo. Yeah. We didn't we kept hearing him. We kept hearing him. And then we see him for a little bit and he gets his, gets his ass kicked by Captain Leo. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be this huge badass. Right. Yeah, that, and he kind of sucked. It's it's funny you you call him Euron Greyjoy, and to the listeners, this is currently streaming on Netflix, uh, and I and I recommend it again. But it's a Danish political drama called Morgan, <laughs> and that guy plays like the PR spin guy, and he's like this huge pussy. So it's okay. kind of funny like seeing him in that role. Yeah, he is Danish. Well, it's yeah, well, it's kind of funny because like he kind of played the same like Euron Greyjoy kind of character, but Ukrainian or whatever, just sort of like that kind of crazy bad like I like I I don't play by the rules kind of character, but he was just a little bit different. Obviously, not dressed in like black leather and kind of morbidly incestual at the same time, but it was just sort of <laughs> weird. It, the uh, movie could have benefited from a little bit of that, perhaps. Did you guys like Joe? Like when you were watching the movie, were you sort of like wanting to see more from the villain, like kind of see him, but like more? in terms like involved in the plot or did you not mind that like Victor Koval was sort of lingering over the whole operation was the reveal worth your while or what'd you think you know they kind of relied on just the ominous nebulous it, oh yeah. this is in Ukraine and shit's <laughs> going down and and you know people are shooting at us the whole time and we don't know why or why we're here but we're getting the fuck shot at you know <laughs> and it was just it kind of you know the film kind of reminded me of the Dexter meme with the police officer coming around the corner going, surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> and, like, that is just, like, it the whole time. And he's like, that's kind of what Captain Leo is to the new guy. He's like, come on, D-boy! Like, surprise, <laughs> motherfucker! You know, like, yeah. that, that's he was, just the he, whole film. Like, and you're like, all right, well, you know, I get it. He kind of fucked up. You know? Well, speaking of that, like, this sort of does play on, like, the similar trope. We just did Sicario last week where we sort of have, like, this is Captain Leo. He's supposed to be like, even though he's AI, he's super experienced, right? He's been outside the wire. He's a combat veteran. And then they pair him up with a naive noob, but they sort of do it in a different way because it's an AI with a naive guy that's sort of just a drone pilot or whatever. And it's sort of the sim- similar to what we had last week in sort of Sicario where Emily Blunt, even though she's an FBI agent, she gets paired up with these two kind of wily CIA agents who have ulterior, mo- ulterior motives, ulterior motives, whatever you want to say. And obviously Anthony Mackie's character has ulterior motives in this movie too uh which one do you think kind of did obviously i think we know which one did it better but do you like think that this was almost too cliche cliche or did you like the sort of twist on it where it was sort of that veteran with a noob type of trope or do you think it like sort of worked didn't work what do you think budge as far as like it it sort of was a like 
a traditional movie but sort of set like we said in the future and in ukraine and sort of like it was just a little bit different yeah i I certainly enjoyed like the setting um i think back to what we're saying i think i would have liked a little bit more as to how um we you know eastern europe broke down so far you know so hard (laughs) and how like it got too i thought the term it was too hot for the u.n so the u.n u.s just kind of stepped up was an interesting okay like okay so i'm just supposed to buy all that no explanation but I will say this about the twist. I would say that one of the things I've noted is I feel like there was probably one too many twists in this yeah. movie. Like, if you had just left it at, okay, the twist is he's an AI, okay? And then you did a second twist that was like, he's actually, like, not supposed to be doing this. Or he's not, you know, like, when he when he tells him, he goes, hey, I need you to instruct me to do this. We're not supposed to, but we got to get the codes because Kovacs will get the nuke, the nuclear codes. If you just left it at that, I think you have a very a more superior film, but this third twist that like <laughs> the big one, he, yeah, that like he's the he's the villain this whole time was a little bit much. You know, and, like if you'd left it at the two twists, I think I would have my smidge of disbelief wouldn't be so far. Well, and he's the villain, and what is he trying to do? Like you know, to to nuke the United States. Like we knew right, that was the ultimate right. goal, but like who was behind it? Like you didn't. I, I just it was like again, it was one twist too many. But what right. did like even like his like his end game was almost like borderline almost trying to be like sympathetic and heroic. If, and I know that like nuking the United States isn't heroic, but he's like, I got to nuke the United States to end this program because it's unethical. Like he was like, I'm trying to end like the program that created him. Right. Yeah. That, like, it, yeah. that was, the, it, that was it, the, the, the goal. And it wasn't even like, um, like Ultron or like some stuff in Star Trek where it's like, okay, we need to destroy civilization because civilization is the ultimate evil. Yeah. Right? Like it's so, so it's like, that's a humanity. It was more, it was like, it was more convoluted. Like you, they didn't even flesh that out entirely. Yeah, exactly. Like he didn't really have like some, yeah, like you said, like Ultron who kind of has this, or even what do you want to say? Uh, I can't even remember from Endgame, like who the snap guy, I can't even fucking remember his name. Uh, Thanos. Thanos, who sort of like has a motivation that sort of makes sense, right? Like he's like, the world is overpopulated. Mm-hmm. Humans are the disease of the world. They're mm-hmm. causing all these problems. I can solve it. The ends justify the means. In this one, it was just like I like it was almost like, like the I only need to, way to get uh, the, the only way I can yeah. like d- destroy this program is by nuking yeah. the United States, which just, doesn't make I, any sense I, at all. <laughs> I'm taking out the entire country. He literally all he had to do. He's literally paired with a drone pilot. All he had to do was get a drone yeah. and like find out the location of where all the data was stored and just he, like destroy. That. at the end telling him he's right like, and you know that if we don't do this then the war will just continue and he's like i know it's like no you don't know that there are plenty of nuanced things about this war also it's, it. it's 2036 yeah. i assume that someone had probably already started started to like take that type of technology or that data and was gonna like use it so i mean like him just nuking a country you know maybe it's maybe canada's already got like hands on his little technology we get in like he was just gonna like nuke the idea of nuking the United States like doesn't even make that much like where what were you gonna like did, if he knew where like how to destroy the technology he literally had to at least have some idea of a location you don't just nuke the United States like that doesn't make like oh my god it landed in Kansas right. you that nuke didn't like do a anything or like <laughs> yeah a facility that. Yes. Uh, yeah, just, it, I think it almost played on like viewer stupidity to think that one nuclear weapon could like take out the entire country or something like that. But I mean, we've been testing nukes in New Mexico for years and years and years. Maybe not, obviously not anymore. But I mean, Jesus Christ, like let's just nuke the United States. It doesn't really make too much sense. Uh, but yeah, but 
Joe, what do you think about the ending? I mean, I, I was morbidly confused about it, I, and I still sort of am. I, I, what do you think? Yeah, there's so many knee jerks, and you know, you had whiplash, like Budge was trying to explain earlier. You know, if it was just like that two twist action, you could you could kind of keep up with it. But um, <clears throat> I think you covered it pretty well. Uh, the uh, yeah, I think you covered it pretty well. <laughs> well, do you think this sort of like plays on that theme, like the idea of like where someone's like created or not someone, but an AI is sort of created and then they sort of like have this vengeance towards their creator? He kind of like mentioned that a little bit, but like, so like that's Ultron like the, sort of like. Yeah, that's the ultimate fear of, you know, artificial intelligence is that it turns against the creator, right? That's always going to be the in the back of any person's mind when you like create the, the Frankenstein. Like Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. So like Frankenstein's monster, Ultron, like even like Homelander, when we like boy the boys, he's sort of like fascinated with how he like came to be. Paradise Lost, like the devil, sort of is fascinated with God because he was created by him. Star Trek uh, Discovery season Star two, yeah, obviously, and like so. Geppetto, but, Pinocchio. Of course. Would you like? Yeah, would you like to see? Like he does mention the creator a lot, and I thought that like I thought that was going to be some type of twist reveal, but it really just he just sort of wants to nuke the whole United States, like. Would you like to see something maybe a little bit more intimate with Anthony Mackey's motivations? Or what do you think, Budge? Uh, you know, like I said, I'd almost rather not even see that plot line. Just yeah. <laughs> keep it at, keep it at, hey man, so shocker, I'm an AI. And then shocker, we are not supposed to be doing this. We're going rogue to, to solve, you know, to prevent nukes from going off. Like, you leave would it you at liked- that. And I think this movie gets bumped up for me probably 10 points. Would you have liked to see like the reveal of the AI like later in the film? Yeah, what? Yeah, actually, you're right. I did not love the way they did it because I think it would have been way cooler if he like did something super badass or like took a shot and you're like this whole time and he's like, yeah, that would have been way cooler because it kind of alluded. Yeah, they kind of like made him like walk in on someone like naked in the shower and he's (laughs) like, what? And then like and like to be one of the things I thought was kind of neat was how he kind of kept sticking up for the robots, right? You know, like don't pick on them. And yeah, so if he's yeah. been kind of doing that the whole movie, and then it turned a twist, like, oh, he's an AI, you would have been like, oh, did I, I should have seen oh. it. You know, it wasn't just a gump sympathist. Yeah. <laughs> Sympathizer. <laughs> yeah. I, Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, did you, I, I'm just going to mention this little smaller twist that was kind of cool was when he, um, Basically, there there was like this way that Captain Leo could act on his own volition or essentially go rogue, and uh, that he had to like manipulate Harp into committing acts that made Harp seem uh, or be considered an impaired human. Thus, like once that was and since he was with Leo, once that occurred, Leo now could like do what he whatever he wanted. Did y'all catch that kind of towards? No, I did, but to be honest, I I had a hard time grasping it, was, it it was a bit it was a bit far-fetched and, and, and out of nowhere and i was like it, well shit this ai is i guess very smart in those it, loopholes it took me back to the lsat and trying to do logic games and i was like you know what there's a reason this sucked well yeah. i think it was just like that movie like it wasn't as engrossing or sort of like it, it didn't like grasp your attention enough to where you sort of like pick up on it so when they do that sort of like sherlock holmes reveal like ha, i've been tricking you the whole time kind of thing yeah. you kind of go and it like flashes through you like they sort of like flash back and show all the things where he was lying to him and manipulated them yeah you sort of go you took out my tracker yeah you sort of go oh i was looking on my phone during that part shit like like you know like it just wasn't as interesting in a movie to where like i was thoroughly thoroughly engrossed in that kind of was like oh okay i guess i get it <laughs> This is totally off topic. 
but I just saw it in my notes and I forgot that I laughed out loud again when I saw it. But speaking of where they saved money, did y'all happen to notice that when the in the bank with the hostages, all the host, all the Eastern European like bank employees were wearing like eighties clothes? <laughs> like, well, that's, that's which what, at well, that point would have been like what. 50 years old over 60 years old yeah they would have been expensive vintage yeah. clothes actually yeah. yeah yeah i don't know but that yeah it speaks to Definitely sort of what joe was saying it's eastern europe who knows they probably were walking around with walkmans too and thinking they were cool um no but one last thing that i've kind of want to mention before we sort of move on to like our fun questions or whatever was what you guys think about that sort of i because I, I think this would have been better if they didn't reveal actually i don't know so i want to get your opinion when he almost does that sort of crocodile dundee thing with like the uh the refugees who are shooting them up and he sort of calms them down and he puts the weapons down. What was like, uh, the, did you think the point of that was that he was some like AI that could like relate to humans? Like it doesn't really come up again. Or do you think that was like sort of a foreshadowing that he can sort of manipulate humans and get what he wants? Do you know, like it was sort of like a weird moment in the movie and I don't know if it like came back or do you think it did come back? What do you think? I, I don't he think. could ease their emotions or something and like calm them down in that one little moment. That's what I you're just, talking about. Yeah, like, so he, like, bargains with them, and, like, because they're, like, holding something hostage, and he says, we'll give you the vaccine if you, like, give us the truck, like, right? Yeah, I forgot yeah. exactly what it was. But, like, he's able to sort of, like, calm them down and negotiate with them. But th th it came shortly after he was revealed as an AI. And so, like, I thought they were trying to sort of almost play off of that a little bit. What'd you think, Budge? I, I don't know if I, I saw it that. I, I just kind of thought that that was going to go more along the ways of the show, trying to show how he was a good negotiator or that okay. he like had, that he like saw more than like, than just, okay. He could see the forest through the trees, right? He didn't see immediately. This had to be a gunfight. He's like, if we can just give them the truck and give them the medicine, we can all be on our way. Like this, this skirmish isn't going to give us Victor Kovach, you know, or Cobalt. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know if it was like a way to almost demonstrate that he's more human than like, because maybe we were thinking mm -hmm. that that moment that he's sort of just a robot, but he sort of has these human qualities. Like even the car ride over to it, remember he's like talking about Harp's girlfriend and it really comes across as really forced, but I didn't know if that was just really bad dialogue or if it was intentional at the same time. He's like, oh, was, boy, what he was like, want to stick that beach stick in or taco? And you're like, good God, man. what are you That was so about? bizarre. I, I hated it. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was like, oh, man, this is a robot who doesn't know how to communicate or if he's just these are just terrible jokes written into like, the movie. Right. After that, so dumb. You're yeah. talking about with the, like the when they're like with the ho not the hostage, but like with the guys holding up the, the medic truck. I thought about Joseph because I chuckled when he's like talking about the guys like, man, don't wear that. Like, we can't. Why do I look like this? So we're not targets. I'm like, God, y'all are two black dudes running around Eastern Europe. I don't care if it's a war zone or not. You're gonna stand out. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. It was like we're, we provide a neutral face. So I was like, yeah, like I, the okay. first black people they've ever seen. <laughs> like, okay, All right. I'm glad we brought that up because when he said that, I, the first thing I thought was like, what was the determin determinative factor here for neutral face? Well, yeah, this doesn't well, add up. You're, you're they're, Eastern they're Europe, that many people like you, <laughs> right? I mean, you've got robots running around. <laughs> I don't know how many brothers there are in Belarus these days or, or in the Eastern Bloc, but maybe. Especially w ones that are sprinting at perfect symmetrical like form you know, <laughs> through the streets. Gosh. Yeah, I don't know, but like, I'll, yeah, what if it was originally written for a white guy? Is, but... is that like, if it's 20, I mean, like, America's diverse enough to where we have there. There are so many Russians and Ukrainians in the country already. We, you know what I mean. Like they could have just been like, we have our own. You, you know what I mean. Russian and Ukrainian agent. You know what I mean. Like 
I don't know. They just like the way they explained it was so weird. I don't know. It was just like a neutral face that they won't, they will, you know, it was like, okay, like, let's just say this guy's a badass and we'll take that too. You know? <laughs> it's just, it, it's uh, just a ton of opportunities where it could have been really cool, whether it's with like uh, just the reveal of, of Anthony Mackie's character as AI or, or in that, that description right there that you were talking about, Joe, like they could have just done something way cooler. Like just, yeah, maybe, maybe, lengthen the writing session from 30 minutes to like an hour and a half like figure it out <laughs> yeah it did that, that, that did just feel like one of those moments where they're just trying to progress the plot like if you right. think in the back of your head like why is why did they pick a black guy and they just threw some kind of throwaway line and go okay whatever and go with it but when you like actually think about it after you watch the movie it doesn't make too much sense um, all right, so this is part of the move, uh, part of the podcast where we actually do the wheel questions. But I don't have the wheel with me tonight. I forgot it. So we're just gonna do three or four questions anyway. So we always like to ask. This is Joe's favorite question. So let's make this movie sexier. This movie does not have much sex appeal. This is like third or fourth movie in a row. We could have used a little bit more. How would you guys have made Outside the Wire just a little bit sexier? Joe, go for it. Okay, you could have made it a a little bit sexier at the beginning of the film, right? You could have taken before it gets all serious, you know, with the, the bombed out kids at the orphanage and shit. <laughs> before you get all that, you could have put as a way to set that up as a juxtaposition. You could have put like a scene in one of those, you know, air conditioned uh, trailers in Las Vegas or wherever that, where they have the, uh, the drone pilots hang out for the day before they go back to their house or whatever. You know what I mean? And they could have had like some really hot stripper, somebody come in for a party <laughs> and like, you could have seen some, you know, some skin or something before the boys go in there and then they blow up somebody's wedding. You know what I mean? Like, that like a really, it could have been, they could have really jarring juxtaposition. Yeah. Or like, to kind of piggyback on what Joseph said, like, one of the things that I, I kind of marked down was like how callous, you know, the drone pilots were. So like maybe show that like the where the place that they were like letting go of their emotions or that like he and that girl who sat beside him like went back to the trailer out where they followed the drones and just had us uh, some crazy fuck session. <laughs> and they were we, like that's where they were letting out all that stress and emotion. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, what do you think, Preston? Uh, I'm just going to have to go with uh, some gump on gump action. I think that would have been uh, just kind of like in the background. You just see two gumps, gumps humping each other. Preston, I know you noticed there was a dog gump, like a canine gump. Oh, like I definitely know, came it scurried, yeah. scurried across. Yeah, yeah there was a, uh, oh, we didn't talk much about the gumps, but they were, they were okay. They weren't that original. Some of the weapons they had, though, like that's why I thought it was a, a video game plot because it's like these okay, yeah. can't hit anything. You have to kill all the people, right? You're like they're not yeah. gonna be, like your your teammates, your Gumps aren't gonna kill anybody, right? I like the Gumps, so I thought they were badass. I, they were I thought cool it was cool and stuff, but they're not like really. Deep. How many people did they actually shoot? Yeah, you're. you're you got a point. They, it was. They, they, it, it was. They cool need to get their they, body count up. When they would uh, go from standing and they would just all of a sudden tra transform into that like sit down kind of motion and bring and, like, out the fire the guns. rocket. Yeah, that's like if you're playing the video game, you know, like oh god, we gotta hide. Like oh, here they here press we Y. We've well, been yeah. saving up this charge. Did you we guys jump? Not, did you guys not think they were kind of teasing some sort of like sexual relationship between Anthony Mackie and that chick who was kind of running the orphanage or whatever? It almost like they were like gonna go like really edgy, like interracial AI versus human sort of like guy on girl action. Because they also yeah. remember like when Anthony Mackie like like demonstrates how like his body works to like 
harp. He's like, feel my arm. It's cold, but his extremities are warm. So I was kind of like, I thought we were going to like get into that. That part was so, that was another part where we kind of just stopped, looked at like, I got looked at Emily. We're kind of like, what? Like, what is yeah, that, so like, it, what is that, it, about? It, that was a weird thing too, because he's basically admitting that like he's never given like if somebody gives him a hug, like they're like, why is your back so fucking cold, man? Like, it, like or like you embrace him, like he's only his hands. Oh, he's like nice. basically like what? I can only give handshakes. Yeah. What were Emily's two cents on this movie? Uh, I I mean, honest, very similar to what mm-hmm. we thought. And she definitely probably tuned out during some of uh, <laughs> these like just like the shitty dialogue. I I know we both when he was like all of a sudden he became this like chummy robot about like harp's girlfriend and it was just so random and the dialogue was so stupid the jokes were stupid and we're both like okay this movie just lost like 10 points immediately like this is so unnecessary right now what is this uh, i mean it was inter- like you know we were entertained all right, so I teased this a little bit, but I want to get you guys' opinion on this. So this movie felt like it had the premise of a 1980s action flick, and all it was missing was one of those sort of like iconic 80s and 90s action stars. So if it wasn't Anthony Mackie, and this was set in the 90s or 80s, if you had to recast that role, who would you pick? Stallone, Van Damme, Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, who would you like to see as this Anthony Mackie AI? I've got one. Go for it. I'm going Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Because Wesley Snipes was just like oh, fucking, fucking shit up in the in the 90s. Demolition Man was still like just such a bang. It's like a banger of an I action movie. I will pick movie. Demolition Man at some point on this podcast. I love Demolition Man. Uh, when he breaks also the starring another finger. option, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good pick. I, well, no, no. Okay, so I don't know. So, Matthew, I guess it fleshes <laughs> out for me or tell me this is more my decision here would i prefer to see anthony mackie be more robotic or ai or am i looking for somebody who's kind of like oh i was just saying this movie kind of like felt like one of those movies that sort of like stallone or uh, you know so or schwarzenegger would have done or van damme that's all i was getting at i was like saying like mm. if this was set in one of the like er- an earlier time period who would you have seen in that anthony mackie role so like one of those old action stars i mean that's what i'm saying i think i think that's what that's what makes it kind of unique is that like they could e- they would either go the full robot like and so it'd be like arnold schwarzenegger or they would try to make it like you know almost like a diehard or something yeah. to make it like a bruce willis so like a guy so who's saying, got like you're... one-liners and more jovial right so i i don't i don't know if there is someone who like threads that needle in the 80s and 90s i may oh. totally just be missing someone though <laughs> i think that if you you cast a major league Wesley Snipes that that era in the yes. film. I think he would have killed it. I think so too. Oh, man, I, I knew I liked you, Joe. I wish they would almost like. I, I hope Wesley <laughs> Snipes gets like put in the new like Blade reboot, just as like I don't know how, but just like fit him in a little bit. I don't. Really I don't think like he that. had a great ending in Blade. Like I don't think he ended. Like he didn't end on good terms. I oh, thought so they like, already designate who it, who it's going to be. It's Mahershala Ali, yeah, but I don't. Oh, okay, I, he's yeah. just saying he wants to see. Uh, what's he saying? Oh yeah, just cameo. like some like honor, honor because cameo. there's a scene in I think it's Blade Three where he refused to oh, open his eyes. Oh yeah, and so they CGI'd open eyes on him when he's laying down because like. Wesley Snipes refused. So I, that's I'm just I don't think he and like Marvel Studios are on good terms. No, but that was like before Marvel Studios got acquired by Disney is now run by totally different people. So you never know. Like if if, if the fans demanded, he probably enough, needs I the imagine. paycheck too. Yeah, I, like, well, no, I think Wesley Snipes is you're seeing a kind of a transition here. Now that we saw Dolomite, he's going to be in coming to, to coming to America too. I feel like he's like 
kind of starting to ease back in. I, I just don't know if he's going to be doing action films or anything like that. I feel like he's <laughs> trying out different different genres. All right, one last question before we move on to our rating. So this movie didn't have like too many like noticeable big hit, uh, what do you want to say, uh, soundtrack. So if you had to pick a banger for this movie, what song would you pick and where would you include it into the movie? Oh, God damn it, Matthew. <laughs> Um. Well, they're in East. Actually, no, that's not Eastern. <laughs> uh, I don't know why Depeche Mode just came to my to my brain. That's well, yeah. That's, no, it's like it's one of those things like you're music. talking about. Like it almost feels like it's set in the '80s, but it's actually set in 2036. So maybe a better question is like, what genre of music would you like sort of want to see? Because it does kind of have that almost '80s vibe, but also like it could have futuristic vibes at the same time. I, I think if you like say if you like fleshed out the you know, the main character a little more, not Anthony Mackie, the other guy, and, like, he was from, like, Atlanta or something, and you did, like, Bombs Over Baghdad or had, like, Outcast playing. Like, All right. that might be kind of cool, but I, I don't have anything else. About, but, you know, I'm trying to think of what's, like, Eastern European. Well, I would have, I mean, it's kind of... Rammstein comes This is Iranian. Or German. Uh, I would have thrown in, well, it's kind of that, that area of the world. I would have thrown in Rock the Casbah a little bit. <laughs> as they're, as they're, they're dropping some bombs and stuff, you know. Yeah. Between the minarets. Well, it's sort of like what you like, Joe, like when you were talking about uh, earlier, like they I feel like doing like that, like being in that sort of like drone porta potty where they were all operated or whatever. Like they could have like been like listening to some music or whatever while they were like just dropping bombs. Like they're sort of almost treat them yeah. like a video game. They're just in a total game session, like listening to whatever they want. And then they take it off and like they're like, oh, but yeah, you just killed 38 people. Yeah, well, it's, it'd be like, it's thunderstruck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like <laughs> it would be like a cool juxta, not a cool, but it sort of just shows it would have created more distance, like what they were trying to create in terms of this guy only is a drone operator and this guy lives like in the war zone. So like if you had people sort of like having fun, being able to listen what they want to while they're like almost killing innocent civilians, it really would have sort of created that contrast maybe a little bit more. Well, fun tidbit, uh, the the uh, guy who did the score, Lorne Balfi, I think is how you pronounce it. He does a lot of video game scores. So Jesus. That, there's the connection. All right. Brought well, it back. Let's move on to the ratings. I'm sure everyone's got a really, really high rating for this. So we'll start off with the acting. Preston, what do you want to do with the acting out of 25? God. I mean... This is tough because I think Anthony Mackie can be really, really good. I think he should be in better roles, better movies in general. Although I'm sure this was a quite a, a fine payday. Uh, but like, it's just not that great. And it's not just him. I think it's a lot of other people. I mean, Harp is, I guess Harp's okay. I mean, or the, I forget the actor's name, uh, but pr probably brings the most like emotional vigor to the role to the to the film but um i'm just gonna give it a 15 and i feel like that's kind of generous but a 15 because it's, it's okay it's decent what do you think joe out of 25 what do you give the acting yeah, you know anthony mackie I, I don't think this was that bad of a performance from him i actually enjoyed him and, and i would love to see more films with him starring in it but i i thought that where the film lacked a little bit was in the technical advisor department where, you know, it really didn't feel like these were real soldiers or Marines. You didn't get like, these were fucking, fucking I mean, leathernecks or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they, they weren't, I don't know. They weren't trained soldiers and it didn't seem like harp really acted like one either for him to be 
an officer in the United States Air Force, like you figure he would have had to have like learn how to at least handle a weapon. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed like he was a little bit lost. And a lot of the times when when he was under fire, it seemed like he was like just hopping around and like didn't really seem that tactical. Let me put it that way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go sixteen. What do you think, Fudge? Uh, I give it a very I give it a solid nineteen. I mean, I kind of think y'all y'all kind of nailed it. You know, Anthony Mackie does a fine job. The the guy the other guy had his moments. I I, re- I guess this this really goes more characters, but there, there wasn't there wasn't really particularly any like poor acting. But I I like what Joe kind of mentioned about. I just didn't necessarily buy sometimes that these guys were battle hardened or it had seemed like a, a lot. You know. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking it's about just like the main, like, main three or four people, because even when you go on the Wikipedia page, it only lists like six actors in terms of who are like notable characters. So it's really a small cast. And so what Joe was talking about in terms of like the, the other soldiers are probably just sort of basically extras in a sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as Anthony Mackie and the guy who plays Harp, and then there's the guy who like Doug from House of Cards. I mean, I, I can't say there's anything like overly <laughs> bad about yeah, Stamper. Doug, uh, but I mean, there wasn't anything overly bad, but like, I, like, I don't enjoy the movie. I, I thought some of it was more of a failure on writing and also just like maybe the whole production in general. I don't know if the acting yeah. was terrible. I thought like a lot of the dialogue was shit, but I don't know if I want to blame down the actors or not. But uh, so yeah, I'll give it a give it a 17. So, so maybe a good transition. We'll go to the characters press. What do you think the characters, how well were they developed? What do you think about that? Well, I was hoping you go to plot, but uh, because I felt like what you're saying. Certainly, I guess this all ties in, of course. You know, the characters were, again, I mean, just, they could have been fleshed out more. They could have been more uh, interesting, especially Captain Leo, which, I mean, I, I just felt like there was there was a lot of potential for some of these characters. I mean, even Sophia, who we didn't really see much of, and I, she was definitely billed as, uh, I forget that actress's name, but it's like one of the five, six characters you're talking about, or six actors and actresses uh so characters i'm gonna also give that a actually i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna get that a 15 what do you think joe if you'd like to see more development from these characters i think you already kind of handed at it well see what the problem is with character development in one of these futuristic sci-fi films is that it's gonna be really hard for you to define the boundaries of like the technology and it's gonna be really easy for you to get into like some hypocritical like you know, like inconsistencies is what mm-hmm. I mean. So it's like, you know, like how, why couldn't Captain Leo just turn off the pain function <laughs> when the guy is stabbing him in the back to take out the tracker bug? You know what I mean? Like stuff like that where you're like, okay, like I'm, I'm at the suspension of disbelief is going to have to kick in. So I, the character development wasn't the, the greatest. And I think the biggest hole was harp. Um, I just think that, you know, like, it was totally unbelievable the way that he portrayed and uh, like as i said a united states air force officer so nonchalantly like bombing people and you know what i mean like that never would happen i i'm gonna give it a 15 what do you think budge yeah i I think these characters were very underdeveloped uh i mean going back to sophia like i I just never felt like how she was running the orphanage and then just like casually killed people like (laughs) and like was like selling the weapons like it was just a little strange i think you know kind of to joe's point i I think harp was you know i wasn't like there were just certain things like that bothered me about harp was like the fact that he was just unable to get standard military jargon correctly like he never said sir to anyone and like I don't know, like any person been in the military around, like you get the procedure yeah, that would not like, stand. Yeah, yeah like yeah. you know, 
and he kept getting called out for it. Like eventually he'd be shoveling ditches, you know. But also it's just strange how he like technically was in trouble, mm-hmm. but then they like sent him on this and well, really intense like. What, did I miss something? Like why does why did he go? Oh, because he the, ended up he he called. There was a fire support mission for a bunch of Marines that were no, pinned no, no, down, right? Yeah. Uh, no, so I, I, he gets. So he he was the he sent a drone missile. No, no I understand the, that. Yeah. Okay, right. I was just wondering. It was like an interesting disciplinarian move for to have him. Like, well, I think instead of court marshalling, they were like, he needs to learn a thing or two about what it's like on the front lines. I don't think <laughs> that they realized Anthony Mackie was going to take him on. Like, like, put him with Leo. Yeah, like on a crazy adventure <laughs> with the cyborg. Um, <laughs> Get him with the cyborg. <laughs> but like, I guess back. To, I think I what did I say? I, I gave it a. Uh, I gave it a thirteen. Yeah. Characters. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where they almost tried to give some like backstory to some of these characters, right? They they give yeah. them a girlfriend, but then like that never comes up again except for at the end. So sort of like I'm on my way home, babe. Like, but you never like hear you don't like hear the story. Like you don't you see about, a picture. Like, yeah, you see a picture and that's it. And it, it like it, all it does is lead to like a crude joke by an AI, and then like you don't really get much <laughs> from Anthony Mackie either. Like it like if he is self aware and he does have these sort of ambitions or whatever, you'd almost like get more. What like uh, tears and rain sort of thing like in Blade Runner? Well, like he actually feel kind of empathy for these like AI. It was it, yeah, it, there really wasn't anything in terms of character. Like and like like you said with the Sophia character in like these action movies, you can get away with underdeveloped characters if they like have like really badass lines or really cool things to say. But they really really none of them had anything like that was so biting or memorable. It just like you said, it was sort of farcical. Like you said, he was like she was trying to almost be this ethical like person being like oh by the way you've killed all these people's parents these are all the orphans and like bud said she was just casually going around shooting people in like the foreheads and stuff it, like it didn't make much sense as to like what it, it would made more sense if like you knew what her story was but you didn't like and it didn't feel like it was mysterious it just felt like it was lazy like it'd be like, yeah. different if it was a mystery um yeah so i'm giving it a 10 let's move on to plot what do you think uh preston was that ai humor uh <laughs> Plot, yeah. So, I mean, I think I've given 15 on the other two. To me, the plot is certainly uh, lacking here. A lot, just a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of holes. It seemed like they were trying to make some kind of commentary, maybe, on, like, w- like drone warfare and some other stuff, but they, uh, they it was, it was very uh, conflicting. So maybe they were just, I don't know, being lazy. I don't, I really don't know. Uh, the twist that... Budge was talking about earlier and that we kind of uh, harped on a little bit where probably too many, like maybe focus on one or two and, and like really surprise us. I thought, you know, I, I really thought that was a good idea of having uh, Mackie Mackie's character be revealed as like AI, like later on, not, you know, not 20 minutes into the film, but um, yeah, it just, I feel like a lot of opportunities could have been better. I'm going to give the plot. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? Did it keep you engaged? What do you think you like obviously found plenty of potholes, but what do you think overall? Well, I think I can tie it back into the quote that you led off the show with from the Netflix reviewer, how he was the I'm paraphrasing here, but the, the gist of it was that you know, you really don't remember that much about what if you remember right. anything. It was kind of like a very well polished action film, but what the fuck happened? Like nah, I'll give it a twelve. What do you think, Budge? I actually give it a 12 as well. I think I want to echo what Preston said. It's and that's kind of what I was saying earlier. There's just one twist too many. And, and so it was, like yeah, it, I mean, it like, was solid. And, like 
you know, like if they could have cut this movie by 25 minutes and I think I'd have a 10 point difference review. And they're not good twists. It's not really like great twists. It's one of those things like it's like they're trying too hard to keep you like on edge and suspenseful, right, with all these Mm -hmm. twists. But they didn't put any effort into developing the characters to keep you kind of interested along the way. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it a, a 12 as well. I didn't find it that interesting. Like I didn't like even buy, I mean, the premise was a little weird, uh, not really weird, but just like, it wasn't something that grabbed you immediately. Um, all right. So let's final one, the music, and then we'll wrap it up. what do you think Preston music wise out of 25? Well, Matthew, I'm going to, I'm going to join one of your usual musical critiques <laughs> here in that, uh, I did notice it, but in that, like it, it was very much, uh, <laughs> It was it was not as memorable as even like the plot. I mean, I just felt like it was it 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 didn't have any like punch behind it. Considering the type of movie, I thought it could have been really cool. It could have like go either futuristic or or like surprise us with this like badass uh, '80s soundtrack. I mean, like if you think look at like movies that retro really, synth, yeah, yeah, or like just because like the the plot is lacking, it's not that original. If you just threw in like a fire soundtrack just out of nowhere and like really, like really focused on it and went for it, I feel like it, this movie would have been a lot better. Um, but you're just what you're getting is like a video game score, which is what this guy's apparently pretty good at. So uh, in that regard, I would it's probably just serviceable to the film. And but it's just nothing special. It's nothing memorable. It's uh, like Jason uh, Siegel in the studio. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> what well, was that? Hey, what what Stones. movie was uh, Is that Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Forgetting Sarah Marshall, yep. Uh, if I see Van Helsing, yeah, I swear yeah. to the Lord, I shall slay him. Viking musical. Uh, what was that song? Oh, Dracula like that. musical, yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of those. Like that really slow ballad he sings. When he started singing on the piano in that movie... I don't. I fell out of my chair. Well, he does that. He does like his fate. Well, a he's like in like a leotard, right? And then like because he's doing all like the puppets. And I'm then talking he gets about when that. he's in the bar and he's doing. Oh, like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, but he, oh, he's yeah, like right. really like with you know oh, throwing his like, heart like, out there. Like, yeah. Die, yeah, die, die, die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So what was the score, uh, Preston? We'll move on to Joe. Uh, Eleven. Turn it what up. Do you to think, 11. Joe? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go Chipper Jones 10 just because it was a video game score. <laughs> what about you, Budge? I guess I give it a little higher than that. I think you'll forget there was one major song you missed, and I give it a 15, but it was Stars Fell in Alabama with Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, oh, I missed when, that, yeah. When Harp comes that. in and Anthony Mackie, that's what he's playing. He goes, find the, follow the music, and he walks in, and that's the oh, song yeah. he's playing, which for the listeners did not know that Stars Fell in Alabama was on uh, the Alabama State license plates for some time. What is the point of them including that Because there that was a song? meteorite shower, but no, I think no, it's... no, I'm not the uh, license plate. <laughs> budge, budge, let me let me tell you this: I have, there is a car that drives around New Orleans that is for, that has that Alabama license plate. That is from <laughs> it's like outdated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll never change it. <laughs> I don't know how there's. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're out there. They spend the extra two hundred so they can keep getting it. No, uh, I got a newsflash for you. That car is not registered properly. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I mean, it's, it's actually Bud. She's been, yeah. she's been riding around Ella. So what'd you give it, Bud? You gave it fifteen. Fifteen, and just for Star Fell in Alabama. And yeah. I think the reason, Matthew, person, I think you were asking why you think that was included. I think it goes to one of those more underdeveloped prospects to say like like take data for instance like a lot of ais they enjoy like jazz Classical, and certain other yeah. types of music oh yeah, yeah, yeah to it 
like a mathematics. And I think maybe they were trying to go there, but just never got there. Well, shit. Yeah. Wait, did they bring it back when they were in the car? Was he listening to any of that kind of music? If not, like that would have been a good time to yeah. do it. Yeah, no, I, I really don't know. And like I said, I had a hard time like remembering the plot, remembering anything in this movie. And I didn't remember anything in terms of music in this. Like I said, I include the the banger question just because I really was expecting at least like this was a like high octane action movie, at least to have like one like at least one or two moments of like yeah, during the ch- during the during the chase scenes, during the like the action scenes to have like some real rock and roll or something mm-hmm. in it. But there really, really wasn't. I, I and I don't know if it's save money. I don't know if it was a budget thing, but it really just felt like it was just lacking in that department. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a twelve as well to, as somebody else did. But anyways, that's gonna wrap it up for Outside the Wire. Obviously, we did not give it high scores on anything, so I don't know if we recommend it on Netflix or not. It was kind of <laughs> it was kind of fun to watch. I mean, if you're looking for something to watch, something yeah, new instead of movie, yeah, yeah, yeah instead of watching great, the same. There's some shit. really good action. I don't think we really stressed action's that not bad, enough. Yeah. The, the action was pretty top notch. Well, yeah, um, I will say the one the one scene that was probably the best is when Anthony Mackie beats up uh, what you want to call it. Uh, Koval, Victor Koval. Yeah, Co- Victor oh, Koval yeah. was kind also, of like a critical moment. Dude, so killing him with is, the flagpole uh, was, was badass, too. Oh, the flagpole thing was so ridiculous. I did notice one little loop or a little plot hole, or not plot hole, just like he grabbed, and maybe he's this strong, but like the flagpole had like just a dull bottom. It wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like a spear. <laughs> spear, and he just throws it 20 feet through this uh, Koval's chest. Uh, I, I will say also, uh, Sophia's, uh, when all of a sudden she's like an incredible fighter and she uses her, ja- her jacket as like a oh, yes. weapon. That was badass. I never, like that gave me almost like, uh, like, uh, what's that? It's a really good movie. Uh, Knightsman or the night or a uh, night. Um, I'm sorry. Kingsman. Kingsman. Yeah. It gave me that kind of vibe where they're like using Dude, like a jacket. You know what I just realized another plot hole too. She does that. And then flash forward two minutes later in the movie, she shoots someone in the head. She had a gun that whole time. <laughs> she used the jacket. She's got to use the jacket move. <laughs> no, no, I no. I thought, I thought is, she picked uh, up the gun from somebody else. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's right. She, she shoots the arms dealer. XXYY. Yeah. She definitely picks up that gun off the ground. Okay. I'm almost positive about that. But anyways, all right, that's going to wrap it up for Outside the Wire. <laughs> Matt, uh, do you Budge, remember that part? Yeah, I do. I know, because, yeah, no, I actually do remember that. Budge, uh, so are we going to, what are we going to do next week? We, I don't know if it's firmly set in stone, but Budge might have. Yeah, Cam, Cam Easley, Morning Consult's managing editor, says he wants to do the Dirty Dozen on Tuesday, um, if you guys are available. So we're going to do the Dirty Dozen. Is that the Clinton Eagles? I thought Clinton you Eagles? said it was going to be the greatest tape, Budge. Guys, I, I misplaced my classic war films. So I we're doing the from the sixties, Dirty Dozen. The dirty the Dirty Dozen. All right. So Dirty Dozen next week with special guest Cam Easley. It's a Budge Husky best friend. How about that? Their best friends are probably gonna be in the studio together, sharing a microphone and a banana split at the same time. So that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> All right. So everyone, thanks for listening. Any parting words before we kick it off to Preston's awesome intro and outro music? That's it. Keep on budging. <laughs> budging makes me feel good.